The automotive industry was built around engines, but now anyone who makes parts for them is facing a harsh future. Revenues for internal combustion engines and fuel and exhaust systems are all expected to decline 44% through 2027. Meanwhile, revenues for electric drivetrains and batteries or fuel cells are expected to rise 245%. But there is another problem. An internal combustion engine powertrain has about 2,000 parts. Battery electric vehicle powertrains have about 20, sometimes less. Beyond the major automakers, there are actually thousands of parts in cars that come from companies all over the world. A whole branching supply chain of firms, each dependent on the success of the others. Many of those companies are small, family-owned firms that have been around for decades. A typical car contains about 30,000 parts sourced from hundreds of suppliers. In North America alone, there are about 100 suppliers of varying sizes that together generate half a billion dollars or more worth of revenue. Storch Magnetics in Livonia, Michigan is one of those suppliers. We've been in this building for about 50 years and the trees that are out front weren't there. When I pull in, I, I see that, and that's the history for me that, that makes me excited. It reminds me just how long we've been around and that we've got a duty, especially in my role as president, to make sure that we can continue. Today, they are threatened. And if you can't adapt, then you're gonna be, again, on the outside looking in as the industry moves towards battery electric. Storch was founded in 1952 by Edward Storch. His wife, Ruth, and daughter Marjorie really built the business from the early 60s all the way up until just a few years ago. So we were women-owned and operated, and the ladies really cut their teeth heavily into the automotive sector by selling magnets and magnetic bases uh, to all of the top three automotive companies that were here in Detroit at the time. We're involved with lots of different magnetic applications globally. Uh, we've done about $7.5 million last year. It was our banner year. It has about 30 full-time employees. Alexis Zukowski, a welder and fabricator, is one of them. I'm really into mini bikes and cars and stuff, so uh, it kind of just started at home, and then I went to uh, school at MIAT and uh, learned through their welding program, and then Storch is actually associated with MIAT, and so I applied here and I got the job on the spot. 75 to 80% of its business revolves around serving the automotive industry. About half of its business is in making a machine that is used in the manufacture of internal combustion engines, the magnetic slide conveyor belt. Like so many other companies, Storch's fate is closely tied to the fate of the fuel-burning engine. I think the internal combustion engine supply chain might be somewhat stunned right now. There's, a, there's this big movement heading towards EV. A lot of us are waiting to see what that really pans out to be. And I'm seeing some hesitation on orders and, and large programs that uh, take years for development, if you would, in order for them to get into the lines. As we don't spend money on redoing new engines or, or revising engines, then there's less reason for the vehicle manufacturer to say, well, I need to buy a new conveyor. Well, if it still works, they're probably just going to keep fixing the old one or maybe just revamp it slightly. Um, it's only when you spend money on a brand new facility that that's when the vehicle manufacturers say, you know, I probably want all new equipment in here just to make sure that I've got the latest. 
And, and those are the opportunities to spend money. On the other hand, electric vehicles made up about 8% of new sales in the United States in 2022. That was a 55% increase over the previous year, but still, 92% of cars sold are either hybrids of some kind or are strictly gas burning. Many questions around the viability of EVs don't deliver simple or certain answers. The Automobile Association of America, or AAA, surveyed about 1,000 people in 2022 on electric cars. 60% of them were still concerned about the relatively high price of EVs, worried there are not enough places to charge, and fretted about running out of battery while driving, among other things. There are other concerns about the availability of the minerals needed to make the batteries, about the longevity of the batteries and the cost of replacing them, about how well EVs can compete without government support. Looking back at solar as an example, there was a lot of solar plants in Michigan that were brought online uh, because there was a big push by the government. And I watched a lot of those get shuttered and closed. So it makes a lot of us think, I think, internal combustion engines, is this for real? Does this stick around? Is this something that's going to be our path? Uh, the market will ultimately dictate that. And I think the technology is exciting. I think that there's absolutely change coming. Um, I just hope that it's paced more so this time. All of these factors kind of weigh on suppliers and they say, well, if, if, if there's not gonna be enough of this or not enough power or whatever the case might be, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. But yet the vehicle manufacturers are moving ahead. And as they move ahead, the suppliers, if they don't follow them, they're going to be increasingly uh, without new opportunities to sell more product into those vehicle manufacturers. The surge is coming. The problems are affecting firms much larger than Storch, even many of the largest publicly traded tier one suppliers, such as Bosch, Denso, Magna, and ZF. I think that we're in a period now of heavy investment, either through R&D or through M&A. So I think it's actually very difficult to invest in this group. I, uh, the, the companies that we like are companies that really don't face this issue at all. Larger suppliers are pivoting toward EV components. A lot of these suppliers are uniquely positioned to make them. Um, they already do stamping and they already have relationships with the OEMs. Um, some of the products they're making are, are different, no doubt. But I think that's really the answer for a lot of these suppliers is, now the issue is EVs obviously use less parts than ICEs do, right? So in aggregate, there'll be probably less to feed more mouths, so to speak. In a traditional internal combustion engine driveline, you've got everything from the radiator back to the rear axle. You've got not just the radiator, there's the motor. And the motor consists of a typically a cast iron engine block, there's cast iron heads or aluminum heads. You've got all of the internal combustion engine pieces that are literally hundreds, if not thousands, that are part of that bill of material. As you advance to the transmission, same sort of scenario, through the drive shaft to the traditional rear end, there's also a lot of gears and a lot of hard metal parts. Most of all of that gets removed in an EV. In addition, about 70% of the parts in an EV might be different from those in an internal combustion vehicle. That is a big problem if you are a small supplier whose business relies heavily on making a few highly specific components. The size of the transmission market in 2019 was $93 billion. Engine systems reached $73 billion. By 2035, both are expected to be fractions of that. Same with after-treatment and fuel systems. 
Automakers frequently launch a new engine family, a group of often several engines with similar traits to put in the company's different cars and trucks. New engineering, new design, new features, and new business for the countless suppliers that make the parts going into it. But that is disappearing. In 2015, there were 15 new automotive engine families launched in North America. By 2025, just 10 years later, there will be only two. There are even deeper, more profound changes coming to automotive manufacturing. Battery electric is more than just, hey, we're gonna use a battery and electric motor to propel the vehicle. It's given the vehicle industry a chance to rethink how they put cars together. Um, and, and it's gonna have a monumental impact on the supply base. Vehicle components have become simpler and streamlined. Tesla introduced the concept of gigacastings. That is the process of making parts of the car, say part of the vehicle chassis, out of a single very large casting rather than many smaller ones that need to be welded together. This means fewer parts, less labor, all the way down the line. Just the, mere, the sheer fact of what that does to the tooling industry, uh, to the number of parts that are required to build that, uh, you know, basically mechanisms to hold the parts together, to weld it properly, all of that changes. Automakers want to bring more EV production in-house than they did in the days of the engine. Some of these uh, OEMs are really good at making e-motors and inverters, uh, for example, power electronics. So that becomes a headwind for some of these suppliers and they're all basically chasing a smaller pie of EV components, you know, than they once had. And that they're competing against their very customers, the OEMs, and everybody's trying to make few, the same fewer uh, parts. And the concern would be that this creates a pricing war, benefits the OEMs, um, or they just basically market share, they get a smaller piece of a pie um, than they once had before. It's hard to find an auto supplier that isn't threatened by this. Frankly, it's been a really crummy three and a half years for the for a supplier and, and in some respects for a good part of the, of the vehicle industry. The whole global auto industry long relied on China as a reliable profit source as the country grew into the world's largest market. But declining sales in 2019 and other factors have put car makers and their suppliers under pressure. Also in 2019, a labor dispute between General Motors and the United Auto Workers Union dealt a blow to demand in North America. The COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020, first shutting production down entirely for nearly two months and then slowing it for several more. Production fell 20% for the year that we had 22 of 27 employees laid off. Then came all kinds of supply chain shortages, raw materials, semiconductors, and so on. Then Russia invaded Ukraine, then inflation. Shipping costs saw an unprecedented rise during the pandemic. So did oil prices. Raw material costs shot up. By the end of 2024, hot rolled steel is expected to rise 14% from the price it was in fall of 2022. Wages and rising interest rates also put pressure on suppliers. Against this backdrop, these companies are now going to have to figure out what they're going to do about EVs. They have four basic options, says a report from S&P Global Mobility. They can switch from serving ICE vehicles to EVs. They can just milk the cash cow dry before shutting down. 
They can double down, buying competitors, consolidating, and becoming the biggest player in their industry. Or they can sell out. Storch Magnetics is leaning into some other areas where it is strong. The biggest growth opportunity for us is to continue to double down and to continue to offer the expertise that we've had over all these years to other manufacturers that are looking to incorporate a magnet into their product. They're not just magnets. There's more to it. Uh, there's heat, there's shock and vibration and all sorts of things that many manufacturers don't know. And to eliminate the potential for recall, that's where we shine. We're able to do third-party testing and make sure that the magnets that come from mills in China are exactly what they're expecting. But the company is also testing out new ideas. They have several products. If you're going to survive, you have to be creative. You have to be innovative. But you can't let it overtake your business. That's been a hard lesson for us here, me in particular, uh, as I've come up through the rankings here at Storch. The biggest pivot that we've had here at Storch was creating an entirely new brand and a division of this company. During the COVID-19 pandemic, they found themselves, for unrelated reasons, trying to figure out a way to keep the dust from the shop out of the building's front office. Being magnet people, we decided that we would create a filter and an apparatus that would stick to the ceiling. Real simple design. And as the people came back that were laid off from COVID, they asked to have it above their head for the COVID reasons. They've also developed SuperMag. It's a magnet put on the front of a truck that is used to pull iron and metal off of a road service. The pitch is that it will save people from tire blowouts, especially at high speed. Departments of transportation are buying these magnets now from us, and they're driving over their road surfaces. And by keeping all that metal debris up, most road agencies report back that within the first months that the magnet has paid for itself, just in the cost of tires to that one vehicle. The impact that they make to that region is something that no one's been able to put numbers to yet. The company also came up with an especially offbeat idea. I had an employee come to me and he wanted to buy a fishing magnet. He'd seen it online, wanted to do it with his son. This isn't a magnet for catching fish. It is a magnet for fishing pieces of metal out of waterways. So the company set the employee up with a magnet and a rope and then got the idea of building a submersible that could do underwater what Supermag does on roads. I don't know that we fully understand who the customer is for that product yet. I think that potential customers in the future will be large areas like Daytona Beach or Myrtle Beach in Florida. It would be the larger municipal beaches where they want to make sure that fishing areas that are right adjacent to swimming areas are protected for those that are using it. And I think that those will be people that will be ultimately buying these or using them from a rental fleet uh, to take care of their areas on a periodic basis. Pivoting to an entirely new business is not easy. And number one, you don't have the connections outside of traditional automotive. So maybe you might say, I need to sell more into the medium and heavy truck space. Well, that's great, but it's a different set of customers, number one. Number two, the scale is different. They build less than a tenth of the number of vehicles that they do in, in what we call light vehicle or smaller vehicles that you and I drive. So the scale is different, the customers are different, the size of the parts are different, the way you manufacture them are different, um, different, different, different. About a year ago, there was an airborne pathogen control program that was put forth by our governor here in Michigan. $10 million was set aside for a product that could potentially eliminate particle settling inside of the top 10 hospitals by count of COVID patients here in the state of Michigan. It seemed great. Aerotrust was a perfect fit for that. It was on us over a 30-day time frame to reach out to all of the hospitals that were identified on a piece of paper to us. It was easy pickings. And we thought, this is great. This is a home run. This is our dream. We're going to make a lot of Aerotrust. The truth is, after 30 days, we couldn't get one hospital 
to write a single page letter request that they would have interest in the grant program that was set forth and it expired without one being taken by any of the hospitals. Storch has also had trouble selling Supermag products to some state transportation agencies. Even though it seems like such a no-brainer from a budget standpoint that a $15,000 to $20,000 product can have a one-month return of investment and over a 25-year cycle, uh, in the case of Michigan here, could make a massive impact upwards of almost $100 million in savings of tires. But budgets are established, we've learned, for the replacement of tires, not necessarily for new equipment. So getting this through the state and federal levels has proven to be one of the most challenging things in my career. It's what keeps me up at night.